Welcome to the Audit 15 Fund podcast. My goal with this podcast is to bring relevant internal audit topics to the table at least every 15 days. Today, we're going to be talking about auditors preventing and detecting fraud. And to talk about that topic, I have the honor to have as my guest, Adon Hedenfields with the Siphon Group. He is a special investigations instructor and has many years of experience in the field. Welcome, Hadon, to the podcast. It's an honor to have you on. Well, I'm very happy to be here. This is always, I always like being on podcasts and anytime you can include the word fun and audit together, uh, you have to, you have to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. So we chatted a little bit before the recording here. And one of the things that came up was how auditors are, you know, usually blame if something goes wrong, if there's a big fraud that it's found is. The question is, where were the auditors, right? So in your, from your experience working on the fraud investigation side, why do you think that, you know, auditors are maybe rightly so or not rightly so disproportionately blamed for when frauds arise? Uh, Yeah. Well, uh, so coming from the world of fraud, right, uh, it's a little bit different than the audit components, but. I think they absolutely are blamed anytime there's a major fraud. So any kind of corporate fraud that that comes out, they're the first ones that get thrown under the bus. You can look at the new FTX fraud thing that's going on with uh, Sam Bankman Freed. Uh, I mean, for me, I'm kind of like, shouldn't we have known his name is literally Bankman Freed, which sounds suspiciously like Bankman fraud. So I'm <laughs> like, that shouldn't have been a red flag from the very beginning. But when that broke, a few weeks ago, a month ago or so from today's date, the first thing that came out with the articles about, well, how come audit didn't catch this? And you can look through any of the history of all the major scandals, uh, you know, corporate scandals with that involve financial statement fraud, Enron, uh, ZZZ, WorldCom, all that stuff. The first thing that comes out is it's the auditor's fault. Never mind the fact that the people who actually stole the money, like should get blamed. And they're the ones that should, should bear the consequences there, but it's always the auditors that get thrown under the bus. I mean, they're always looking for a scapegoat, right? At some point. Right. But, uh, I, I just don't quite understand that because these are the guys who stole the, the money and they hit it. And because the auditors didn't catch it or something, it, it, that doesn't make sense to me. And part of it, I think is a perception about what auditors do. And I think in the public mind, there's a link between audit and fraud, right? So, I mean, if the IRS sends an auditor to your door, not only does, you know, nobody like that guy or girl, uh, but there's a sense that there's some kind of tax fraud or tax evasion or cheating going on. So there's kind of a link, I think, in the public uh, mind and in the public language that, well, he's an auditor, they're an auditor, they should know how to find fraud. But that's kind of a misperception about what the function of an auditor is and what they, what they do. Uh, you know, simply for me, um, you know, that not understanding the relationship between audit and fraud and that, that lack there is probably why they're getting blamed more in, in the public. And so I think that kind of has an explanatory power as to why all those news articles come out and they're like, Hey, where was internal audit? How come they didn't catch this? Right. Well, they're not really trained to do that. They're not trained to, they're trained for assurance and for, for risk and managing risk and processes and and stuff like that. Whereas you, you're a fraud investigator, your fraud examiner, they're actually trained in kind of that discipline of 
identifying fraud and finding it and how do you investigate it and how do you collect the and gather the information that you need to either substantiate the allegation or not. So I think it's just a, a they have an imaging issue. Right. Yeah. That would definitely agree with that. It's a different swim lane, right? Between auditors and fraud investigators and people think we're swimming in the, in the same lane. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, have you ever seen anybody, uh, you know, pop champagne and cigars when they tell you they're being audited? Like, like nobody does that, you know? So it, there, it's a, it's a messaging issue and it's a perception issue. It's an image issue. And you know, the audit guys, you know, the, those people tend to be low key and they're not out, you know, marketers and they're not out there on social media bragging about, you know, we just passed a hundred clean audits because nobody cares about the audits that are clean right. and don't have any results. They only, they only care about uh, when there's a, a failure, right? It's kind of like terrorism. Like we don't know about all the, the terrorist attacks that were thwarted. You only know about the ones that weren't thwarted. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's only the bad ones or the things that go wrong that get attention with the press for sure. <laughs> right. Right. Now, now to be fair, you know, to not be all cherry pie for the auditors and, and be a cheerleader for the audit team, the, the numbers on auditors catching fraud are pretty abysmal. Uh, we know that from the, so the ACFE, which is the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, they do a report every two years. They call it uh, the report to the nations and it's on fraud and, and occupational fraud, that kind of thing. Uh, they show in their numbers that internal audit finds fraud about 16% of the time. While external audit is even worse, they only find it 4% of the time. So yep. according to their numbers, a, a hotline, you're going to find fraud at a 42% clip. Yep. Uh, the, I think accident is like 5%. Like the chance of you finding a fraud just by accident is greater than an external audit team. Yes. And it's only slightly less than an internal audit team. So there, there is a problem between audit and fraud that that, like you said, you know, staying in your lane kind of a thing. But uh, for my for my money, this is kind of why I have a soft spot for audit people, because if I was an auditor, like I want to know as much as I can about fraud, especially in the industries that I audit, because I know that if something bad happens, they're coming after me. Right. They're pointing the fingers at me. Right. So just on, on that side, and I would want to know more about fraud. Hey, what does this look like? What are some of the behavior indicators? What are some of the tests that I can do? Who do I talk to? How do I get better at this? That kind of thing. Because uh, I'm just, it's kind of a, you know, CYA for me when it comes to, to that. And again, I'm not in the audit space. I'm on the investigation side. But, uh, you know, 85% of fraudsters, according to the, that report from the ACFE, they had at least, at least one behavioral red flag. So, which means they usually had more mm -hmm. than one. Right. But they had, they had at least one. So the guy who makes, you know, $40,000 a year rolls up in a, you know, what color is your Bugatti kind of thing. And, you know, he just got back from a luxury vacation and you're like, wait, how is he affording any of that? Nobody bothered to ask the question. Right. Yeah. Very good point on the statistics and you're, yeah, absolutely right. Tips are the number one way that people find fraud. But I, I think it's a perfect segue here for the next question, which you mentioned auditors need to do a better job of identifying of preventing fraud. So from your experience and the tools that you use, either paid or free, what is the best tool in fraud detection and or prevention? And maybe can you share an example of a case in which you use that tool and it can just be high level? Yeah. Yeah. So I think we'd have to separate between knowledge tools as in information and intelligence that helps us 
pick which direction we should go in our detection efforts and separate between knowledge tools and operational tools, I might call them, and which are probably going to be for audit people, testing tools, maybe software tools, or, or some kind of analytical tool or analytical test of that, of that stripe. Uh, so for knowledge tools, I would want to read the ACFE's report to the nations. I would want to read the KPMG report, uh, anything in my industry about what fraud looks like. So if, if you were auditing for healthcare or you're auditing for IT or auditing for construction, I would want to know what are the common fraud schemes that appear in my industry that that I audit. Uh, if you're in the insurance industry, you're going to want to read you know, anything from the National Insurance Crime Bureau and their reports and their warnings and the like, because there's a lot of groups that are doing a lot of a lot of work. You know, coalition, co it was a coalition on insurance fraud. That's another one. Uh, so if you know if you're in, uh, involved with auditing for corruption, you would want to know what organization has information on those topics. So I think there's there's knowledge tools, and maybe we call that fraud intelligence. And that's just kind of being aware because awareness itself is curative, right? So it's right. kind of like, you know, if you all of a sudden become aware that, hey, the scheme looks like this, and then all of a sudden you see it everywhere, right? But before you were aware, you, you didn't notice it at all. You know, so that's, you want to be able to find weirdness, right? And things that don't look right. Right. So I would say there's knowledge tools, and most of those reports are all free. Right. So the ACFE puts it out for free. KPMG, you can find all those things for free, mostly for free. NAC, NICB, I think you have to be a member, but they do have a lot of stuff for free. And you could probably just call them and ask them for that stuff too. So that's kind of the knowledge tools side. Then on the analytical tools side, uh, I, you know, even just from a statistical sampling, uh, I would look at Benford's Law. And if, if they're, you're not doing that as an auditor, it's a super fascinating. Yes. An analytical test, uh, you know, numbers zero through nine have a 10% chance of showing up, but somehow the number one shows up in 30% of the time. And then there's kind of a scale down, I think nine, the number nine shows up 4% of the time. Uh, one of the guys that I read about that is Dr. Mark Negrini, and he's kind yes. of the, the God of Benford's law, uh, maybe he's, you know, Benford reincarnated, uh, but he's <laughs> got a whole book on it. Um, what was that called? Forensic analytics or something like that. And it's this big, thick. I have it. Uh, it's a big, thick book, and I've I've worked through it, and it's it's a lot of work. Uh, it, it's meaty. Uh, I, I've actually met him, talked to him at length, and he's super fascinating. And uh, having Benford's Law, I mean, that would be a, a test that you can do readily, and and have that in your tool belt. As not, are you going to be doing any of those the samplings anyway? You're going to be doing these other you know, analytical tests and statistical tests and stuff that all the audit folks do. Uh, Software-wise, uh, in terms of paid tools, uh, I've used Idea by Caseware, and that's a fantastic analysis tool. Uh, it's it's not just Excel and steroids; uh, it does does all kinds of things. Uh, on one case, so we had just got the tool for a company I was working for, and on one case, we, and we had all this data. It was trying to figure out um, a, a vendor that was billing, and and how. You know, you have to separate duplicates and, and it was, I mean, hundreds, hundreds of bills, thousands of bills and uh, it was several million dollars that were, uh, I'm trying to do this at a high level. There were several million dollars at large here mm -hmm. and that tool just in terms of efficiency savings and cost savings for us in terms of labor, it paid for itself on the first go. I mean, it literally saved weeks of works, week, weeks of work just out of the gate in, in like a minute. Yeah. <laughs> like you load load the data, hit the button, 
it sorted all of it, got rid of all, moved all the duplicates out, all that kind of stuff. I mean, just that alone was worth the cost. And I don't think it was that expensive either. It's hard to stop like, using after that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's hard. Yeah. Like when you can show management, hey, look, you paid whatever it was for the tool. It just saved us, you know, three people's time for two weeks. That alone paid for itself. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, they were like, and that's just the first case. And so we can use this and you know, so they, they loved it. Uh, it was able to show in, in that case that uh, we, we were able to demonstrate that the time amounts, because they were billing for numbers of hours in a day, time amounts alone exceeded the number of hours in a day on multiple occasions, right? So we would get bills, we would add up the time and, you know, you know people aren't working 72 hours in a day. And so it, just that alone helped us gather everything over 24 hours, which is impossible and be able to say, hey, these numbers are impossible and this is the dollar amount for sure. And, you know, let alone nobody's working 24 hours a day. No one's working, you know, 20 hours a day straight for, you know, six weeks, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's a robust tool. Um, I, you know, I don't get sponsored by idea or anything. I just used it and really liked it. And it's, it's a pretty robust tool. Does some really good things. Uh, I would also want, uh, in terms of if you're going to go paid route, I would want some background database vendor that you can look at like a TLO or a LexisNexis or clear. I like TLO. It's pretty easy to use. Uh, those have important tools because they gather all of the, the, the data, you know, you can have licenses and addresses and it, it'll show you all kinds of stuff about a person. It's kind of a background check tool. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because let's say, you know, you're auditing a place and the person you're working for, you know, you say you, you run a background and, and it'll, it'll show you the criminal history. And if they got a criminal history of fraud or financial crime, that might be a red flag. Yeah. Might not be, but it might not be an issue, but it might be a red flag. And, and even, uh, you know, we look for, you know, history of violence because we want to know if we're going to meet with somebody, if we're going to conduct a, a field interview or conduct a, you know, deposition or whatever we're going to do, um, you know, they have a history of violence. We want to know that. Right. So just even from a, a safety standpoint, I think it's worth having for audit teams to have something. It doesn't have to be TLO. It doesn't have to be whatever. You need to have something that you can look at. And if, you know, you send your people out on an audit engagement and then they've got a history of drug and, and weapons and, you know, they got all that kind of stuff in there, that's probably something that you want to know. Yes. Yes. Very, very good point. Well, be, yeah. Well, auditors aren't the most popular people, right? I mean, when you're <laughs> a kid, nobody's like, says, when I grow up, I want to be an auditor, <laughs> you know? Right. So just so trying to mitigate some of those concerns, I think just for your people, just if you're an, in leadership or management. Like I would want to know that my people are safe, that we're going to a situation. Now you can't, of course, stop all situations, you know, but there are some of those red flags, those behavioral red flags, and we want to be able to, to mitigate some of that, I think. Uh, on the free side, uh, so I do a lot of open source intelligence collection. Uh, it's often called OSINT. Uh -huh. uh, and there are tons of, of unpaid or, you know, stuff that you can look, look for. It's an untapped area, I think, for auditors. Uh, I don't know the auditors have a lot of experience doing a lot of OSINT. Uh, it's become more and more of a necessity in special investigation units and, and that kind of thing. Uh, there's tons of free tools. Uh, just learning how to Google correctly and leverage Google and, and Bing with, with Boolean operators and, and how you can use that language in, in Google to kind of target specify what you're looking for. Uh, there's tons of sites that have corporate information that are, that's free. Open corporates, for example, that's free. And I use that quite frequently as we're, as we're looking through for, you know, we want to know, Hey, who owns this business 
And that's something that you might want to know as an auditor is who's, who's running that. Uh, there's a gentleman named Michael Bazell. He runs a website called inteltechniques.com and he is in the OSINT, uh, a digital privacy space and he's fantastic. He has tons of, fr of free podcasts. I think he's on, he released two, 287 today. I think he released uh, episode 287. He's got some tools on his site that you can use that are right there that operate in your own browser on your, so it's a, it's a local, it's not stored on a server, it's on your local machine. Uh, and they've got tools where, the, where you can search for emails, phone numbers, names, domains, images uh, that you might want to want to do. Uh, so that I think alone is just a useful source for anybody who wants to do any kind of, I mean, you could be on a dating site and you want to you know, make sure the person isn't catfishing you, that kind of thing. Right, right. Uh, but for auditors, yeah, but for auditors, you know, just having some of those tools. And I, I think those are important. Um, so I nerd out about, uh, I mean, auditors in general are nerdy, but uh, or at least that's the trope. Uh, <laughs> but I nerd out about something nerdy too, and that's uh, document metadata. So I love document metadata. So that might be metadata you find in a PDF or a Word doc or something or Excel, yes. Excel spreadsheet. Yes. <laughs> and if you can find it and know how to kind of go through it and, and the format, you know, you might find an author name in there, uh, an email address or some other tidbit of information that you can pivot off of that will lead you in a whole different direction. So uh, there's a couple of tools for that that are free. Uh, just go into a website, uh, what's the tool, F uh, FOCA, F-O-C-A, it's a, it's an add on, uh, it's a, it's a plugin for Chrome mm -hmm. and it's done by 11 paths. They do some other stuff. Um, they were doing pen testing stuff, but there's a lot of tools from pen testing that are, that have applications for investigations that are, that are pretty important. But, uh, that's one that you can go to a website, click the button and it'll search on the website directly that you can't do with your naked eye. And it might find a PDF. It might find a word doc that's been abandoned. You know, they forgot about it. They left it on the site. Uh, you know, so let's say you're, you're on, on audit engagement and, you know, you, before you go, you go to their website, you kind of look through the website. You have, want to have a sense of the business, have a sense of what they're doing. You know, you click the little button just to see, you find a page that's got a PDF in it. And then you find out that there's like three other owners you didn't know about, you know, or, or there's other issues like that. So, so I love that kind of stuff, document metadata. That's kind of my nerdy, uh, thing. Uh, so there's, and that's all free. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was very good points. I mean, you had so many good points there. Uh, Benford Law, Mark Negrini, uh, definitely that's, I have this, the, the book that you're mentioning that, uh, to me, the, the thing that I learned from the book is Benford Law is not only first digits you can use for, uh, first two digits, first three digits. Yep. Yeah. Double digits. Yeah. Too. So it's really, really powerful tool. That yes, I agree with you. The internal auditors can definitely uh, use, and I you know really love all of the the, the free uh, resources that you mentioned because you know we we know that some internal audit departments may not have the budget <laughs> for uh, a right, paid tool. Right. So you mentioned the uh, open source intelligence, just open corporates, the website. Uh, you mentioned a gentleman there that has the podcast uh, on yeah, Intel techniques. Yeah, inteltechniques.com. That's he's got tools on there on his webpage that are perfect for people just starting out. They're you know, it's one thing to just you know push a button, put a name in a tool. It's another to like have the actual techniques and, and kind of understand how that, that all operates and stuff. But just if you know you're starting out, you know, free tools like that are are, are a godsend. 
as you're trying to kind of learn how do I hunt people online and find people online. Yes. Yeah. You know, so I, yeah. And it's, it's free and you know, it's free too. Uh, even, uh, I love, so I have a hot, cold kind of relationship with love, hate relationship with Google, uh, because I'm kind of, they're fantastic in terms of, of searching and finding all that stuff. And it's you know, the most used browser on the planet, that kind of thing. They're just awful at privacy and they're awful at, you know, taking all of our data and, and trying to resell it back to us and other people. I, I don't like that part, uh, but just being able to use a, a Google custom search engine and be able, being able to build one so that you can kind of build your own search engine about what you're going to search for and how to use those tools. And that's all free stuff too. And so you can kind of have that in your back pocket and it, and efficiency wise, it can save you some time. So, you know, if you were looking for somebody's social media page, you could build a, a Google custom search engine. And you could program it with all the sites that you want to search. So instead of having to go, oh, well, I'm going to go out to Facebook and I'm going to go out to this thing and I'm going to go out to this one, you can kind of put it all in one and just put your name in and how you want it and it'll search all those for you. Yes. Efficiencies. Yes. And, and good Efficiency, point. yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Good point on Google. You know, it's, it helps you find information on other people, but maybe, you know, your, your data that's out there, you don't want it to be out there. <laughs> yeah, I... That's why it's a love-hate relationship, right? I mean, uh, you know, YouTube is owned by Google and, you know, YouTube gets, you know, billions of, of videos and there's all kinds of interesting stuff on there. Uh, good stuff too, even. I mean, not just, you know, cat videos or something uh, or, you know, cats, you know, fighting each other with lightsabers, that kind of a thing, which <laughs> is fantastic, by the way. But, um, you know, so there's tons of free tools out there. I just, you know, you got to be careful also just know that if it's free, there's a reason it's free. Like if right. you know, you're not paying for it, you are the product. Exactly. So you want to be careful about how you manage that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Adam, for joining the podcast. Uh, last but not least here. So for those who are interested in uh, learning more and more about your fraud uh, prevention and detection services, what is the best way for them to contact you? Uh, best way to find me is you can find me online at siphongroup.com. So P-S-Y-F-I-N group.com. I'm also on cpeio.online. Uh, that's a site that uh, is built for people like auditors to get some uh, extra uh, CPEs in. Um, the, the whole thing with fraud, I mean, there's there's so much work that can be done, I think, between uh, fraud and an audit that we can kind of partner together and, and to really uh, help each other uh, especially, you know, on the, on the audit side, you know, just having somebody that kind of knows what those behavioral red flags are and how to handle those, look for those, uh, is really, I think, going to be valuable for auditors. Um, I've got a course built for that. This is the same, uh, you know, shameless self-promotion piece, but I've got a, a course built for auditors uh, on that very topic of, of, you know, how do we find these behavioral red flags? What do they look for? Uh, it's kind of a five, actually a five course series in there uh, that's kind of targeted for auditors just because I am tired of seeing them get thrown under the bus. <laughs> uh, but, but fraud is, is so large. Uh, I mean, this, this country is losing so much money to fraud, uh, just, just in the insurance industry. So it's, it's $308 billion a year. And to put it in context that one year of fraud, just in the insurance world would fund all cancer research for forever. I think, I think cancer research is about $6 billion when I was looking at the numbers a year. Uh, so you're talking a good, you know, yeah, yes. chunky years. Of Over 50 years. Research. Yeah. Yeah. Of just of cancer research, which would probably mean we could cure cancer. Uh, but all that money is being siphoned off and stolen. And so I think about it in terms of the things we can't have now. 
uh, that, that's how much fraud is going on. So, uh, yeah, we can't have cancer research. You know, we can't have advances in space or technology or computing or, or AI or nanotech or all the cool stuff or anything that I was promised by the Jetsons. Uh, yeah, we can't have that stuff because it's all stolen. I mean, you can go to any store now and you know, target, you know, you'll see people walking out of the store without paying for stuff, right? Like routinely, and there's no consequences. And that's kind of a whole separate thing. But um, yeah, they can find me online at siphongroup.com, C-P-E-I-O dot online. I've got a course built just for you guys, just waiting for you guys to come and, and learn more about it and see if we can uh, help you guys not get thrown under the bus and, and be able to, to say, hey, these are some problems and some issues. We need to refer this to either an investigator or a fraud examiner or the, the fraud unit, somebody, so that we can you know, kind of stop some of this money going out the door. Yeah, absolutely. I'll include the, uh, the website in the show notes and yeah, definitely fraud prevention and fraud detection goes beyond just finding and preventing the fraud. Like you said, you know, the use of resources that could be used somewhere else. Right. So really appreciate it. Yeah, right. I mean that, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, I mean, all the resources that can get, get diverted. I mean, you're talking uh, personnel salary, right? I mean, wouldn't everybody like to have like a 10% raise because now you're not paying a bunch of fraud. I mean, I think all the employees would love that. 